bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you already for your presence in the service. We thank you for the testimony of our brother Ray. We thank you, O Lord, for the Christian spirit. Lord, we must serve you in spirit and in truth. And we're thankful, Lord, that that spirit exists on the earth today, and it's in the body of Christ. Lord, how we appreciate it. How we appreciate your faithfulness and your, your indwelling in our lives. This morning as we come, Lord, in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, Lord, we dwell, we rub shoulders, we're affected, we have different things that have marked our lives, but Lord, we're here this morning by the grace of God. Lord, the song that was already sung, I'm amazed that you love me. But Lord, you looked down and you saw us and in your mercy, you called us. And we're here this morning. Pray your blessing on the word. I pray that you'll anoint this service now. Take it in your hands. As we read the word, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Let's go directly to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we'll read from Isaiah 61 and also Hebrews 4. I've taken a number of services starting in August, going into September. We spoke on the identity, knowing the prophet would say, when the church knows who she is, then the rapture will go. And we then took that into the confusion that the enemy would bring in this age into gender identity. We spoke on the masculine and the feminine role. Last week we spoke on the conflicting images that the devil will present. And today I want to take part two of that. Last week speaking on it wasn't so from the beginning, but today I'd like to speak on a seed gene in fallen humanity. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. The God of glory came to human flesh made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now he did that with purpose and he did that for a reason Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. This is now uh, Isaiah speaking, but really it was a prophecy of Isaiah speaking of Jesus Christ when he would come. And so in Isaiah 61 verse 1, it said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He knew he would be coming to fallen humanity. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, when the scripture was fulfilled in Luke chapter 4, this is where Jesus stopped the reading. But he didn't finish his earthly ministry there. There's another part to be fulfilled. So let's go a little further. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion... Zion representing the bride, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations." They shall repair 
the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'll read also from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Amen. In the message, in the church age message, Brother Branham, this will follow a little bit on the heels of Wednesday's service when the conditions rise against the promises. He would make this statement and he would say, there is a pressure or a burden or a weight. The pressure of the dark ages was either bend or be broken. Bow or die, it was the inquisition, the power of the empire backing up satanic worship, be organized or pay with your life. If you didn't conform to the Catholicism of that age, you, the Christians, the true Christians paid a price by being put to death. He said each age had its pressures. For example, a great burden of the last age is the pressure of riches, soft living, and nervous tensions. In a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in. Now if that isn't the truth, the pressure of riches, soft living, you'd say, well, if I had to pick that, I'd pick that over the dark ages. But if you tell you what, you try to live a true Christian life in this age, it is a mind battle. It is on a level that has been unparalleled. And it's nervous tensions in a complex age we seem unfitted to live in. In a message, Victory Day, Brother Branham would say this. It seems like the Christian life, if the fellow is not absolutely centered on Christ, the Christian life, it seems like, holds so many disappointments. But, and that's the truth, it seems like you come out of a trial and you look forward to something and then there's something else. You know, I think all of these things are doing something within us. The last words in the Bible are the bride's words, which are, even so, come Lord Jesus, come. I believe that song rises up in us. So he would say, but those disappointments are God's divine will happening for us. Now, it doesn't seem like it would be that, but it's God's way of doing things to see what we will do. So let's, let's, I'm making that my focus as we, we move forward. As we've been taking a couple of services pointing to the, the image that, that 
God has for us. The image that was there in the Garden of Eden, the image that was of a perfect man and a perfect woman. And that image that fell, but it's an image that God is restoring. And it seems like if we would look to that, we have come so ill-fitted to be able to fit that. We have so many um, things in life, so many traumas and scars and things that we have gone through, and in many cases it hinders us from fully embracing that. And sometimes we struggle to rise up to where we are. We, we measure ourselves in our flesh. We measure ourselves in our thought life, and it, it would seem the enemy would, would either try to push us down or he would try to push us ahead and make us think more of ourselves than we really are. But to find our place truly in Christ, who came and died the death so that he could get into the church for fellowship, that his spirit could dwell in us, that's where we are living. Now, I, I, I want to take this a little bit, and you can prepare the PowerPoint there, Brother Mark, and I'll... I'll, I'll bring a, rehearse a few points, but I'll, I want to take it a little further today, and I actually am injecting this not where I want it to go, but I'll save where I want to go a couple of weeks from today, but the Abraham was told by God in, in Genesis chapter 17, walk before me and be perfect. Now that perfection was not in the flesh, but that perfection, and in fact perfection is not what we measure it sometimes. But perfection meant come to maturity. Understand the battle that you are in. Understand what I am with you and walk with me. Trust in me. Do not trust in yourself. Do not try to defend yourself. Do not try to protect yourself. But lay yourself bare before me. Allow me, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the one who is the breasted one. I am the one who will supply your needs. That is perfection. Perfection is not us attaining, you know, the seven steps to a perfect message walk. Our perfection is in Christ. He brings us to it. He appoints us to a place. Amen. We said it on, on uh, Wednesday. He that will save his life will lose it. He that will lose his life will save it. It's a mindset. And the hardest thing we have to do is A, to trust in the Lord. And let me go a step further. There's one thing that's harder. That is to put your trust in the body of Christ, in your brother and your sister, in whom we are to have confidence in Christ in the body. But that's the harder thing for us. Let's just go to the PowerPoint. I'll take this this morning, and we'll use this diagrammatically. We'll rehearse a few thoughts from before. But in Genesis 1, God created man in his own image. You can turn those lights. Thank you, Brother Jake. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created them. This is in that theophany being. The first creation of man was a theophany being. It was a... Spirit man, it was a word body. But then in Genesis, so that was in Genesis 1 where he said, let us make man in our image. But then in Genesis 2, God made man from the dust of the earth 
That's the human man that we have now. That's the part we see. And, and in the human man, if I can just say it, there is, if you're a Christian, there's a gene of God. There's also a gene of man. You know, the original man was not fallen man. The original man was a perfect man. But when man fell, he fell, and he fell in the earthly. So it was, it became a fallen man. It was earthly. It was fleshly. It was imperfect. It was mortal. It was born in sin. It was shaped in iniquity. Loves the world. By nature, you love the world. That's the nature of fallen man. When, when Eve sold out to, to engage in a relationship with the serpent, it put everyone that was born under a fallen nature. Now, that could still mean... now. There is a book of life that's a record of our earthly life. It tells everything we are, and it's still there. But that man needs the new birth. That is the negative you. So we came to earth, and even though you were born in a message home, even though you were born with good parents and good siblings, and you have, you're still in the negative. I'm in the negative, but there's a positive that's developing. That positive is developing as you feed on the Word. As you walk with Christ, there's a part of you that's reflecting from the inside out, and it takes ownership of our outside. That is the gene of God. That's the heavenly. That is the theophany. That is the perfect man, the immortal man, the sinless man. That's the one that lives by the Word. I love to come to church. I love to come and be in the atmosphere of the singing and the worship. But really the singing and the worship is so our spirits can be in tune and that they can open up, that God can feed the inner man that is the seed gene of God. That seed gene of God is what is growing. That's the part that will bring about the body change. Your spirit, my spirit, our flesh, it is fallen. It is still in a negative state. But the part that's inside, the inside man, the soul, that's the part that's being resurrected. That's the quickening that's happening. That's the word that we are feeding on. Let me read something to you. This is out of God rich in mercy. And Brother Adam would say in that you always know that even as a child there was something different. There was something you longed for. It was there. It was resident in you. Now, you didn't put that there. God put it there. Even though you were fallen, God placed that there, knowing that's the part that he was going to work on. So he would say this, and, and, and you were, you could hear all the theology, but when the word flashes out there, there's something that, takes a hold. There has to be a life to quicken to. You were once dead in sin and trespasses, but you hath he quickened. So Brother Bannon would relate the story of the eagle in the chicken yard. And he would say, now, that eagle, and, and he, he, he paraphrased it this way, it says, he was ordained to be a part of the word. And when the word saw the word. In other words, when that 
that eagle that was in that chicken yard, he tried to fit into the chickens, but when he saw the word, the part that he came from, which was that mother eagle, that's where the quickening started. Now friends, we're never going to achieve it just by ministering on do right and follow the rules, follow the regulations, but it's got to be on a higher level than that. That's what we're working on this morning. That's the anointing of the age. The anointing of the age is to, for God to minister directly to your word. So he would say it this way. He was part of the word. And when the word saw the word, it was his nature. He was an eagle. He wasn't a chicken. He was an eagle to begin with. Amen. Let me bring one more here while I'm at this point. And, and, and it was this. And, and it was, what was Eve? Let me, let me leave this till I go a little further here. So here is the gene of God. There's the part of you that's the real you. That's the Zoe life. Now, in Genesis 2, this is where God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed the nostrils, the breath of life into him. Man became a living soul. Now, in order to contact the earth, you need a body. In order for your, for your spirit to be in your body, you, you, God has to have a, it has to be a body, then a spirit lives in that body, and if you didn't have a spirit, you couldn't have a soul, so you're a three-part being, and, and that will never change. So Adam was formed out of the dust of the earth, but he already had a theophany being. He already was the original Adam, male and female. So also was it to the bride, she was always a part of Christ. She was always ordained to eternal life. You might say this whole thing is rigged, and I'd say, thank God it is. Because if it was up to us, we would never make it. But God loved us before the foundation of the world. Before there ever was a star, he placed something in you, and in the right season, he allowed the quickening to quicken you to eternal life. Now, we were sons of God not because we were born again, but because we were sons of God, therefore, we could be born again. Oh, I thank God for that. A lot of people can, can go a long ways in a Christian walk. A lot of them can walk a different place. But thank God there's something in us that doesn't stop when we hit a disappointment. That doesn't stop when there's a negative situation. That doesn't stop when we fail or we disappoint the Lord or we disappoint ourselves. But there's something that keeps pushing. Something that keeps going. That's the seed life that is responding in you. Thank God it's there. Adam was the first man. He was ruler of the earth. He was there. And as he was ruling the earth, he was a god of the earth. And that's what we're being brought back to. And as a god of the earth, he would name the animals. He would see there was two of everything, male and female. And then he felt something inside that was missing. And he longed for fellowship and so God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So he took, caused him to sleep, took a rib from him, and he formed the woman from the rib which, which he took from man. And Adam would say, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was 
taken out of man. That's the way Christ actually views his bride. Can you accept that this morning? Can you accept that he called you? He placed something in you to hunger and to thirst. That he placed something in you and that is actually what draws you to him. And that is his love to you. No matter where you came from, there was something you longed for a better life. I, I was looking at this as, with Brother Branham. You know, we, we, will, we will put him on a, on, on a podium and say, oh, he's the prophet. He was ordained and he couldn't miss. He couldn't lose. Neither could you. Neither could I. We're all in the same place. Because he was ordained things, but... Look at his roots. Look where he came. Son, you know, his, his genealogy, his mother was, 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 was part Indian and, 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 and it caused a certain nature that was in him. And then his father was a drunkard and a bootlegger and it caused all kinds of inferiority complexes and all kinds of things. And even at the age of seven, he was pushed into wanting to drink and it, it, it impacted him. But yet in there was a seed ordained to eternal life. So no matter what he went through, something kept pushing him. And it was more than a seed. It was a position. It was a calling. And I will say in this end time, we are all called to something. I just need a little more volume, Brother Tim, if you don't mind. Thank you. So we are all called to something equally. Now, let's, let's just go at it this way. So... We were always a part of him. Jehovah Jireh, when God made his first man in the Garden of Eden, he made him both male and female. He was in God's image a spirit. He put him in flesh, and he made them male and female, and there was no man to till the soil. But, and he says, so he created man out of the dust of the earth, not in his image, but when God came down in the form of man by Jesus Christ to redeem the man that fell from the image of the earth. And Jesus, he was made in the image of the earth. He was brought, he came to our level. So he would say, now, the first Adam, look at him in spirit. He was feminine and masculine, made him flesh, no helpmate. A woman was not in the original creation of God. She's a byproduct of man. So to make him one, he opened the side of Adam, took a part of Adam's flesh so that they wouldn't be separated. They'd be one. He took part of Adam's spirit, part of Adam's flesh, took the feminine spirit off Adam and made an Eve. And when you see a woman, the way some of our modern women, haircuts like men, smoke like men, cuss like men, when you see a woman that wants to be masculine, there's a perversion there somewhere. Now, the Bible would say fornicators, adulterers, all of these cannot have a part of the kingdom of God. But it would make this tremendous statement and it would say, and such were some of you. We found ourselves, whether it's the women or it's the masculine, whether it was a masculine that was sissified, we found ourselves in that condition. And, 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 and we didn't know it and we didn't recognize it, but when God spoke, it began to change us. 
<coughs> it began to bring us to a place. So he says, when you see a man sissified, looking like a duck sitting on the back of his head, that's a hairstyle. And he said, and so forth, and wants to wear women's clothes, there's a perversion there somewhere. God made men to be men and women to be women. So he brought Adam and Eve. He brought them separate identities, masculine, spirit. He brought Adam and Eve together. There was a purity. There was a oneness. There was nothing between them. It was harmony. Even though they were two separate individuals, they were one. And they were one in God. <coughs> so they would rule over creation. They, even though they, they didn't have clothes, it was an economy of innocence, they didn't know. And, and God under that held them from it. Now in Satan's Eden, Women are, are, are naked and they don't even know it. They're held back. And men, the same. The church, the same. Oneness. I, I love this message. He'd say the first man and the woman were in perfect harmony with God. God would come at any time and talk lip to ear with Adam and Eve. That is perfect oneness, God and his creation speaking lip to ear with Adam and Eve, and they were perfect in harmony with God till they were one with God. The first thing that the devil will try to do to break fellowship is break relationship. He'll do it in a church. He'll isolate one. He'll, he'll put them aside. He'll get them off on their own when really we're meant to be under harmony under, under God. And in a home, in a marriage, if it's a family or a husband and a wife, he'll try to break relationship. They may live under the same roof, but if there's something that's not right, he's working to try to break that. Recognize his tactics and say, I have no part of that. I am identified with my home, with my wife, with my husband. I'm identified with the body of Christ. I will not allow an enemy to separate that and to bring a lie and to bring confusion. I will identify with what God has made. So any man in his family, uh, they're correct, good, noble, obedient. If there's something in the family that moves them apart, the family's broken somewhere. And when you see that, you see one lovely picture. That's God's purpose. He says that he could be one with his family. God's nature was in them. He made, he made them with God's nature. And they became one. Isn't that a beautiful picture? So it's not, it's when God brought Adam and Eve, it wasn't like animal life where he took the male bull over here and with the female cow over here, took a piece of earth over there and a piece of earth over there and brought them together. It was a, that was a oneness, sure, they came together, but it was not the kind of oneness that the man and the woman were under. The man and the woman, they were always a part of each other. The woman came out of the man, so is it today, with the bride under Jesus Christ. She was always a part of him. He came to redeem her. Oh, I thank God for that. He, he couldn't help himself. How could he not come for her? She was always a part of him. Now it was hid from us. Now let's, let's go a little further. Now don't you see a great picture? We, uh, we're like a byproduct, a created be uh, being by wedlock. But in the spirit, we're sons and daughters. Not some other spirit, but the spirit of the living God. 
We are in his likeness, in his unity, the perfect image of the living God. We are sons and daughters, not separated, but the same spirit, the same God, the same person, joined in wedlock to the eternal. Let's, let's move forward. So here's Adam and Eve in the garden. It was all perfect. It was all oneness. And then there was a period of time where a serpent was on the earth. Somebody in the form of an image, earthly, like man, but not in the spirit realm, not in the nature of oneness. And that was the serpent, an upright being, an upright animal. In fact, he, was, he looked better than Adam from the outside. He was bigger. He was, he was taller. And, he, and he, even, he was animal, but it was Satan who used that because the, the prophet would say, the serpent even had a place for a soul, but he didn't have a soul. So it took Satan to come in, and Satan began to look for an entrance to be able to hybridize the human life, to hybridize the walk with God, and, and that's what he did. He finally broke through, but he broke through not in the flesh realm first, he broke through in the spirit realm. When Eve actually saw the picture that she could have a relationship with this being, that's when the oneness was broken. Now, how is it going to be restored? God has a way of doing that. Let's move forward. So, in that day, the eyes of them both were opened when that happened. And now Adam and Eve, who were together and were naked, but now they had to sew themselves fig leaves, something changed. Now they were fearful in their spirit. Now they knew they were naked. It changed their demeanor and their relationship with one another and their relationship with God. And they ran from God. They hid from him. And God is calling Adam, where are you? And finally God had to give them skins and he clothed them and he cast them out from the Garden of Eden. And when he did that, he gave this judgment to the human race to the, to the woman, to the serpent, to the man. And the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of your life. So God changed the whole form of that being, the serpent. It wasn't a snake in the beginning, but he was changed to something after he was cursed because he says, on your belly you'll go and dust you'll eat all the days of your life. So if you see a picture, you know, mankind, and they'll, they'll put Eve talking to a snake in a tree with an apple. Well, that's... that's that's not the truth. Just so you know, there's a truth that's more real to it than what the picture says. I will put enmity between thee, talking to the serpent, and the woman. Now he says, between your seed and her seed. Now, a woman doesn't have seed. She's a receptor, but it was talking of a seed that would come. And that seed was going to be Christ. And it was going to be without sexual desire. That was fulfilled in Mary. Mary received the word into her heart. And that was a seed that was going to destroy the serpent. 
Thank God that that's there. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. To Adam he says, I will, to the woman, he rather, he says, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Now, now he's, he's now reestablishing the image. Now this is a fallen image, but it was setting a principle that any Christian, man or woman, would now attain to. We've, Adam and Eve fell. That's what happened. Because of that, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit into what God has set forth. So to the woman, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow and conception. You're going to bring forth children, but it's not going to be just word children. It's going to be many more. And there's a multiplication. And it says, and your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over thee. I don't like that. That's what God said. Listen, that's, that's the way we take it. And unto Adam he said, because you've hearkened unto the voice of your wife and eaten the tree uh, that I commanded you, you shall eat of, cursed is the ground for your sake. Now he didn't curse Adam. He cursed the ground. And he says, in sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So it's like the German would say, right? From this time forward, Adam had to work by the sweat of his frow. Sorry, the sweat of his brow. Anyway, he'd say, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it thou wast eaten, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So this was the framework. Now, let's just go back to this for a moment. So there's a gene of God. That was still there. That did not disappear. That was going to bring forth, as it did in Genesis chapter 1, and it says, multiply and replenish. That was the original command. That gene was going to remain in the earth. That seed was going to be there no matter what. Though Satan came and interrupted the program, but that would never leave because it's God's original word. Now the gene of man, this is the fallen man. That's the part that needs a new birth. So we know now man is a triune being. He is body, he is spirit, and he is soul. And we, Brother Brandon would bring these rings. The outside is a body. We see, hear, feel, taste, smell. The inside man is a spirit man with memory, conscience, uh, reason, affection, and, and, and imagination. So he would, he would, it would be what we're governed by. And the inside man, which was the soul, if we go a step further, so body, spirit, soul, that's either based on faith or on unbelief, the soul realm. Now, to the unborn soul, it is, to, the, to one that's not born again, Satan has the rule over that. Even though there's a little gene, it's got to be born again. That's the part that comes to life. So as long as he's in the control tower, all of these other things, these other realms are affected. But when the word, when that seed gene comes to life, and you accept him, and by the blood of Jesus, you're divorced from that, God starts working on that realm, and he starts overtaking the others. And he begins to take dominion over your spirit realm. Let's go this way. Body, spirit, soul. 
So here's outer influences. So on the sea, taste, feel, smell, you got lots of influences. I could start talking about where we're going to eat after this, and you're already going, and you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to go there too. What, what, what restaurant was that? And it, dis- it would distract you in the service because your body responds to smells. It responds to, to, to what you can see. If I started flashing pictures of, of, of going to a certain restaurant, you would be moved by that because that's your body. But what's more intangible is your spirit realm. And the spirit realm is where the battleground is. And the battleground, God wants to come. He, he, I'll come to this in a moment. But when we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity, we have all of these negative influences. We have contentions. You know, that, that means you have conflicts that will happen. Okay, nobody here has had conflict. Okay, well, just remove your halos and let's just go back and let's do it. So malice comes in. Pride. Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons. Do you ever read what the seven demons were? Pride was one of them. Lust was another one of them. Those were demons that were resident in Mary Magdalene and were resident in us. Now, just because you're born again, it doesn't mean that they are automatically gone. It's a battle for control of the spirit realm. So in that realm, here is pride, lust, envy, strife, hatred, fear, sickness. Those are are all part of it. There is temptation. There's ambition. There's fame. there's, There's honor. There's want. Those are things that are resident within your spirit realm. Now, we don't identify them. We can identify the see, taste, feel, smell here. But we don't often identify what your memory is doing. But you know when it affects you. When you, when you go down the road somewhere and you see a billboard, and, you, and the billboard reminds you of something you did in your past, and all of a sudden you go past and you're thinking about that. And, and then it leads you into all of this. And, and then you shake yourself. Wait a minute. How did I get there? It's Satan working on the memory. Now, it's the same thing with imagination. You, you know, you can have a great imagination. And you can do those things. Just leave it, Brother Jake. That's fine. I'll, 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 I'll do it. You can have imagination. But, but as, as a good friend of mine would say, worry is the misuse of imagination. To always worry, oh, well, like, we had a good day yesterday, but maybe today's going to be a bad day. That's a misuse of imagination. That is brought by the devil. What you need to do to counteract that is say, all things work together for good to them. If anything comes my way, the Lord allowed it. God, Satan had to get permission to it. Why worry? Listen, this is preached from the pulpit to, to right to the baby room. We all worry unnecessarily. Our society is built on worry. What's the stock market going to do? What's going to happen with, 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 with the government? What's going to happen with our school system? What's, what's going to happen? It's worry, worry, worry. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to drop out of that channel, allow the one on the inside to begin to move inside of that. So there's imagination, the, the misuse of that. There, there can be, um, in, in, in all of these others, affection. You know, what should be a godly affection in a home. 
which should be a natural care and a natural love, can gravitate from, from, from what would be a filial love. Yeah, let's just use that as a base point. But it can go down to a physical, and then it can degrade down to a lust. It's all a degradation of the true. But the true, we're in a filial body. We're going to have some of that. But there is also an agapo love that is higher, which we need to be pulled into. So we cannot conduct our life in church just based on filial relationships. It needs to come higher than that. Filial relationships, well, they invited us out last month. We need to invite them out this month. That's filial, I'm sorry to say. It can be higher than that, but that's filial. Well, they shook my hand. I guess I have to go shake their hand. No, it's got to go higher than that. It's got to be the love of God. It's got to be Christ inside of us. But we come from a fallen condition. So we're used to that realm, and God has to pull us higher. How do we get there? We've got to move into a greater realm than that. So I'm just giving you a few examples. So trials and stress and threats and necessities and problems. Now, I used this last time, and Brother Branham would talk about this when he would see people that would come, even in prayer, would come to church, and I see these young women coming, life is before them, they're at a crossroad. They're a victim of circumstances. I'm going to take a little time with that in the next bit here. And then he would say, in other words, the people that have come, they've come with misuse, abuse. They've come through trauma. They've come through situations. And, and they're in a broken condition. They're in a fallen condition. Their spirit has been marred. And now they're coming to God. But God is pulling them not. He's, uh, i got to stop and not get ahead of myself. So he says, do you realize old men, when we were boys, our boys now have got ten times the temptation we had. Sister, your daughter has ten times the temptation you had when you was a girl. What will her daughter have? Look at these things, the pictures the devil is painting. And I tried to give you some of those pictures, how he's come in this last age through the medium of Hollywood and media, and he's painting pictures to entice and to bring women into a place, men into a place that is not what God has for us. Let's just take this woman for a moment. This is a scripture that Brother Branham would refer to. It's in John chapter 4. It's referred to commonly as the woman at the well. And the woman at the well, and there's many places in the Bible, I'm not going to even read the scripture, I'm not even going to bring that up today, but I, I want to just take this and I want to catch this picture for a moment. This woman, when she came, now we all know the Bible story, she had been living with five men. She had five men in the past, be it husband or whatever it was. In one place, Brother Branham says she was only 18 years old. Now just think about that. So she had the scars of living with those five men. Now she was living with another one. And she was coming to the well at midday, not in the morning when the rest of the woman, because she suffered from that. Now undoubtedly she may have had 
physical scars from those relationships. But what was greater was her spirit that had been affected. And it was her spirit that the Lord was going to contact to gain an entrance. And that's the way the prophet also did it. So she comes to the well and she recognizes physically, here's Jesus at the well. He sent the disciples away and he says, I've got needs to be here. So he sent them away and he knew that she was coming. And when she came, here she was marred. Here humanity, life, circumstances. Actually in one place, Brother Branham says, she was put out by her parents. Now, what was the cause? Now, listen, we're living in a time of cancel culture. She could have come and said, I was wrong done, therefore I have a right to do what I'm doing today, and I'm not at fault. No, well, we, we're partially at fault because we chose to believe the devil's lie, but there was a cause. Now, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to identify with flesh, he came also, he was the word, he came also to separate the soul and the spirit. And he came to, to bring an entrance that he could rectify those things. So here comes this woman, she, she had the first thing she recognizes, hey, he's a Jew, I'm a, a Gentile, we have nothing to do with each other, why are you here? And he says, give me a drink. And she says, well, I, I, what, it's not customary for us to do such and such. And he says, if you knew the water I could give you, you would ask me for a drink. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not going to play on this long. I need to move it along. But just look at what condition she was in. She didn't have a lot of hope in her life. At 18 years old, already in six relationships, there wasn't a lot of hope for where she was going. Now I want you to think, maybe you're not in that kind of condition, but where were you, where was I before the Lord came? And what did we go through before he ever began to speak to us? So here she comes, she's, she's there, and Jesus begins to speak to her, and then he tells her, go call your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And then he is starting to catch her spirit. Now what did Brother Branham do when he had a prayer line? He would look at a person, he could see certain things, but he never went to their soul. That's a part that's reserved for God. But he went to try to contact the person's spirit. And that's where God comes sometimes to contact us, is to contact our spirit. Let me go a little further here. So Jesus came and he says, yes, you've had five husbands. The one we're living with is not your husband now. And she goes, you're a prophet. Now she's recognized. So not only is he going to the problem, but now something's opening. And, and she's recognizing, hold it, this is something greater. And, 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 and he says, and he began to tell her about the hour is coming when Jesus is desiring those that speak that will worship him in, in spirit and in truth. And we know when the Messiah comes, he'll do these things. And he says, I am here. What was he doing? He was bringing an entrance to open up her path. Now, can you imagine 
maybe the, the layers that were there. She already had to have self-protectionism to go to the well at a different hour than everybody else. But now she's having to drop those layers, having to drop those things, having to, to, to leave those things. Because, friends, it wasn't just her memory, it was in her spirit realm. The spirit realm has the record of the areas of our life that were broken, that had trauma, that we had, we had, we had spirit, we had conflict. They're there even when our brain doesn't remember them. Now, I'm, I'm going to just reference a couple of things here real quick. And I, I have a lot of different quotes, and I, I really won't get to them all today, and that's fine. But Brother Adam would talk, and, and you've heard some of these before. But he's talking to a, a woman that comes up in the prayer line. He says, now, you've got a timid spirit. You're kind. And he says, you don't have much to say. You're a deep thinker. You're always planning things ahead. Now, she's already beginning to open up. You don't have much to say. He says, now you've had some good teaching, but you've had some sorrows also. Now look at, Jesus loves sinners. Some sinners, scarred and broken up, have their names in the Lamb's book of life. God has to be able to bring them back to that recognition. And he says, now you've had a great scare in your life. It's something that happened when you were a schoolgirl. I believe it was a dog or something. I see something bark or go on and you jump and you scream. You was a little child. And down comes life and down comes life coming down. Recently you've been real nervous and there's something else moving up. Yes, sister. I believe you know it. It's a cancer. Come here just a moment. Now, the devil is smart enough that he knows that our genetics are not perfect. So if, if you come to earth and maybe, maybe you've got thinning hair and you got that through genealogy, through maybe not eating the right foods, through not even your parents had it, your great-grandfather had it, well, you didn't ask for it, but you got it. How many remembers when Brother Branham was trying to, he had that stomach condition, and, and he was trying to, he's saying it, how it flared up every seven years, and how it did this, and he went to Mayo Clinic, and he went to all these places, and they, and they just told him, he says, your father had it, and he says, the symptoms are, you might get real moody or nervous, other people will get high strung, they'll do this, and, and it'll cause all kinds of symptoms, you'll always have it. And he says, but I, I'm happy. I don't, I don't want that. I'm born again. But you've got it. Now, isn't this amazing? Now, and then they made this statement to him. Don't worry. That's just out of the human grab bag of life. Oh, wow. Thank you. You know what? If, if we had a chance and we could take all of our troubles and we could go put them in a pile and we had to pick some others, you know what? We'd probably go back and pick our own. Now, you know what? Uh, I, 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 I know this one. I've lived with it long enough. I'll deal with it. Now, so here, here is a situation where this woman had a dog. She never realized that it put a fear in her from being young, or this dog chased her. 
and, and it did such and such. And it brought this, it, it started to write something in her spirit that even though, uh, even though she may have had a bite and the bite was healed, but that which was in her spirit, the fear kept going on. And she would be scared. She wouldn't accept invitation to anybody that had a dog in their house. I'm just saying, that's not, not just, listen, I just need you to relax a minute. Nothing against dogs here. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you can have those phobias, those fears, and you don't even know where they came from. Okay, I, I, I don't have this up for a reason. My mother's here today, and um, she's got an amazing testimony. Their family's got an amazing testimony. How they fled from World War II, they fled from, she lost her, husband, her father when she was young, and she, she was the o- oldest girl of nine children, and she had helped her mother, and she helped the younger siblings, and, and she, ha- she had all of those things. It, if you would ask her, it marked her life for what she went through. And she passed that down to us. She didn't know what it was like to have bread with butter on it. And when, she, and when we lived in Canada and we had bread and we had butter, we had to, my brother's here too and he'll testify to this, we had to smear it really thin so it would last a long time. Even though there was a whole pound of butter still in the fridge. And lots more in the store. But it was a nature that was ingrained into her and it was passed on down. We knew, and I'm thankful for it, we knew when we went to school, you don't throw away food. I watched other kids throw away food and sandwiches and, you know, buy chips and stuff instead. I'm thankful we had a good upbringing that way. There's a good side to it, okay? But there's another. My mother had a sister at eight years old that was lost in the war for two years. Now, just, you, if you've got an eight-year-old in your family, imagine them not being with you. Imagine them being on their own. And that sister, and I've just recently heard the account again, when she got separated and she was looking for her family, she, and there was two lines of refugees, they were running, fleeing from in the war. She ran behind a wagon and almost all night held onto a wagon just to try to stay connected with somebody. And she ran herself ragged and so much so that she vomited blood and did things. And to this day, she's affected by that. Now that's a scar that's indwelling into her spirit realm. Physically, she's probably suffered from it. But the mental part of that, now, now I'm, I'm trying to make this real. Now I, that's one incident, but there are, every one of us has faced things. Okay, now I'm, I'm saying this for a reason, because sometimes these things can hinder us that we can't even allow the layers that we've built up, protectionism, we've, we've, we, we, you, you could have lived in a home where, I, I, I've got some statistics, I may not get to it today, but the amount of homes in North America that have single family parents has gone off the charts. Now, God put a mother there to be the feminish part to help the child. He put a masculine there to help guide the home and the family. 
And now you removed one of those, and now there's already many negative strikes against that situation. Now, even if you were in a situation, you could have been in a home where there was a father who was ill-equipped to be rightly in the image of God that he was created. Maybe he grew up in a home that he didn't have love, and he wouldn't know how to express love to those children, and the children began to be marked, and what was it? It was a passing down through a spirit realm, and we were affected. And now we, we're asked to come, and let's say it's a, it's a sister, or it's a, it's a girl, it's a woman, and, and now she's being asked to come into a marriage relationship but she never had that love. Now I'm thinking about the woman at the well. Maybe she, this woman, was cast out. Now just think about it. How can that relationship between a husband and wife actually dwell or, or, or be what it rightly ought to be with all of those things, all those strikes against? It, it can be very hard for a woman that has had negative headship or negative authority to be able to trust a man again. And yet that's the program of God. Listen, I, I'm, I'm making one example, but there's others that I'm going to make, I could make. Listen, I, I, I know, I'll just be a little bit transparent if that's okay. I grew up in a home where there was conflict in the home. And when the conflict arose, when it turned into a louder language and, and it became to be a heated spirit in the home, my way of dealing with things, I can't take this. And I'd go out on the front step and just close my ears. I don't want to hear this. Well, that can form something where down your life, later in life, that's how I deal with conflict. That's not the right way to deal with conflict. So somewhere we've got to be able to come from the negative back to the positive. Okay? Are, are you here with me to, today? Okay, so here, here he's, he brings, he brings an, 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 uh, an example. He talks to another lady in a prayer line. Lady, it's dark around you. I see you've been in an institution it's a mental institution for a nervous condition that upset you. You've tried hard, but the devil's been fighting at you. You tried to commit suicide several times. You've said in your mind, you've got it made in your mind that if you can't get to this platform, you're going to commit suicide. You said it in your heart, but God's grace has brought you to this point. It's time for your healing. Oh, I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed. Friends, and what are, what are we learning? We're learning to trust in him. We're learning to give ourselves to him. Not just for salvation. Not just to be a part of a church. But to actually be everything he wants us to be. Can you see where we, we've come from? And I, I haven't even touched on, on many situations, but let's just go back to the PowerPoint quickly. So, this is the woman at the well. In the future home of the heavenly bridegroom, Brother Adam would talk about this woman. She was a prostitute. She was all marred up. 
Where was she marred up? Maybe a little bit in her body, but it was her spirit realm. Now, way down in her, there was a little bit of understanding. There was something God put in her heart. I know when the Messiah cometh. There's a sister who listens into our services. God had put it in her heart from the beginning. She had been at a meeting somewhere, and she'd heard uh, about, in the end times, God would send a prophet. And so that was in her heart. She said, well, until God sends a prophet, I'm just going to go and do what I want. And she'd go along in her life. She lived her life. She did all that she could. She, she engaged in the world. She gauged the world. And she heard one day, brother so-and-so is going to give a testimony on the prophet. And it twigged because God already had it in her heart. And she came to that meeting, and she came to that meeting, and she heard the testimony of Brother Biskel telling about his experiences with the prophet, and she began to understand and, and began to know that that was on a Friday night. On, on the Monday morning, she had shed her worldly clothes. She began to wear dresses. She dropped cursing. She dropped all of these things because God had put a seed there. Oh, we ought to thank God that that's there. Listen, every seed is born at a different time. And listen, it doesn't mean it's a one and done thing. It's a continual washing. It's a continual working. Listen, it can take years. My father told me that he never knew what it was like to have his father set him on the lap and tell him that he loved him. And he found it very difficult to express that sometimes to us. And then I could struggle because I saw the negativity. Well, I'll just become inward. Well, listen, I'm really being going to be honest here. You know, you come from that, and inward was good because it drove me to prayer. Later in life, it caused me to seek the Lord. But now you come into a marriage relationship. Oh, there's a problem. I'm just going to retreat to my room and pray. Uh, that'll go so far. You need to get together. You need to communicate. You need to help each other. And when we recognize somebody is in a negative situation, what should we do? Look down on them or should we let them be healed? Make provision for them. Oh, friends, we, 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 we can have difficult things that we, you know, we, we can have hands off. No, but we can also be Christ to somebody. Okay, you're not really roaring with amens this morning. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a few more minutes. I know we were a little later just getting started, but... Yes? Okay. <laughs> I grew up in a home, and I purposed that some of the negatives I had being raised as a child, I was not going to inflict on my children. I purposed that. I didn't say that I always succeeded in that. In fact, sometimes my natural flesh overrode what my desire was. My daughter is here today. She was a firstborn. I was a firstborn. You know, generally firstborns come together not completely cohesively. Why? Because they are generally leaders. They have a nature that's forward. 
And so when two firstborns come together, so there was times I used a certain approach. It didn't work that way well. But then I would talk with my wife, and my wife would use a different approach. And you know what? It would allow those things. And today I look at my, my wife, or my, my, my daughter rather, and my son-in-law, and I watch how they work together, and I say, thank the Lord. They talk with each other. They communicate. She, even though she, we butted heads sometimes, and we did, I'm just being honest, but I watch how she is with her husband, and she is fitting that image. This is the last good thing I'm going to say about you today, Anna, so just take it in for all it's going to worth. I watch how she fits that, and she submits to that. Even though she had some negativity, I'm being honest, in a message home, into the preacher, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it can happen. Amen. Listen, you can be so authoritative that you have no feeling. Well, this, hey, you're making me look bad. No, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to break the human cycle of, of that the devil would try to pass on and we're there to allow the image of God to come forward. And because we were hurt, we can begin to inflict hurt on our children if we're not careful. And when you, listen, and not one of us is perfect. From the preacher down to the deacon, down to any one of us, you're not perfect. You've made mistakes. Men, you've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. But when you make a mistake, you can repent. You can make it right. Lord, try me one more time. Let me rise above that. But in our humanity, we can say, hold on, I'm the king of the castle. You all have to bow to me, and we can pull up the quotes and say such and such. What about humanity? What about compassion? What about being like Christ was to the woman at the well? Okay? And here's the other side of it. Somebody that's been inflicted, they can maybe hurt by an extremely authoritative figure. They can have trouble trusting. Trusting in a husband, trusting in a pastor, trusting in a church. Why? Because there's so many layers of hurt. Now, we have self-protection mechanisms built in. And we can allow those hurts to justify our actions. But we need to come to the image. Not being demeaned, but being elevated, saying this is what God made you. But somebody who, who has maybe struggled with an authoritative position, well, they can adopt this. Uh, listen, there's lots of terms. I'm not going to get into them. But they can adopt a passive-aggressive nature. There'll be something, yeah, 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 and then aggressive. Or so many layers, I'm justified because I was hurt. And I have a right to say things. No, we don't. We're sheep. We lay down before the Lord and say, Lord, heal me. Heal my lands, Lord. Heal my wounded soul. The Bible would say in Proverbs 18, verse 14, the spirit of a man sustains him, but a wounded spirit who can bear. In other words, it's better to be sick in your body than to be sick in your spirit. 
You can be sick in your body. You can get medicine. You can be treated. But if you have a spirit and that's, that's negative, and it's negative towards a situation because of something that happened, it, it, it can create all kinds of issues. And it can, until we allow, and that's why Christ, as he came to the woman, had to open up those channels. And this, listen, this may not be an overnight process. This may be years. This may be years of laboring. This may be, listen, if, if you've been wounded by a minister... And, and maybe I have even wounded somebody. I, I, would say, I would say the best I know, I haven't done it intentionally. And if I have, forgive me. I, I, I wouldn't mean to do that to you. And I would say sometimes we're ill-equipped because of the circumstances to deal with things. But God's working with us. He's moving on us. Let me go a little further here. Look at this, this girl. She was marred up. But when Jesus came and manifested the word, the word discerned the thoughts that was in the heart. As Hebrews 4 said, the word is a discerner of the thoughts and the hearts. Now, think about this woman with all of her strikes against her, but her name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh my. Now, outwardly, she was not much to look at. Brother Brandon would make reference. This is a wonderful message to listen to this too. And it actually relates from the redemption of the earth to the redemption of the body. But he would say, now the priest, outwardly, he looked, he's got white robes. Outwardly, he's got nice words, kind old priest. But inwardly, in his soul, it was black. Here's a woman Blackness on the outside, blackness in her spirit realm. She doesn't think much of herself, but inside it was white. Thank God it was there. Well, it wasn't white, but there was a germ that could turn that whiteness into something. I wish I had a diagram for that. The little woman had nothing to present. She was as filthy and dirty as could be, but notice way down in her, she had representation. She was looking for this to be made flesh. And, and he would tell the story as we've already shared it. Okay, let's, let's just, you can stop the, the PowerPoint there. There's more. I'm going to read that another time. But let's just, let's just conclude my thoughts here this morning. Just a few more minutes and we'll let you go. Now, here's a, um, a person that comes to Brother Branham. And he's speaking there. He says, I see a dark streak coming behind you. You've had a road of trouble. Lately, you've been getting awfully nervous spells. I see you, especially in the afternoon. Your strength leaves you. You sit in a chair. It seems to be gloomy around you. Oh, you're tuber tuberculosis. Oh, you wasn't thinking of those things. But God saw it in her spirit. He was contacting her spirit. Well, friends, it's important that we come to church and that we spend a little bit of time to get in the atmosphere, to pray, to sing songs, and then allow the Lord, Lord, you know what's in my heart. You know what I went through this week. Lord, I'm coming to a safe place. I'm coming where you can speak to me, where you can come and you can remove the hurts, where you can remove the scars, the things that have, have embedded themselves into me. And Lord, maybe I don't understand why my reaction went this way and why my reaction went that way, but there's a root cause to it. 
And he says, you weren't thinking those things. You thought it was mental telepathy. No, it's the power of Almighty God. Now, God puts his finger on some things. I've had him speak to me in conversation with somebody. I've had him speak to me just out of reading a simple quote. I've had it by listening to a tape, and I know it's God speaking to me directly. I, 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 I remember I, I just put a tape on one time. It was, I was going through something, and, and, and I put a tape on, and a brother, and, and I, I forgot that I even ever was in this service. And it was, we were in Happy Valley many years ago, and, and, and I'm in that, and I'm just thinking, I'm just in the, and it's a spirit, it's plaguing, and, and then all of a sudden, I put on a tape, and the first words out of the tape, Ed Hammermeister, is that you? And it was a service of Donnie Reagan's. And he says, you come up here and pray. And I thought, hey, the Lord remembered me. <laughs> or maybe the tape remembered me, or Brother Donnie remembered me. <laughs> you know what? God can speak to you just that way. He is so personal. Listen, he loves the sinner. He loves those that have a need. There's, there's many places, you know, that I, I could read, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to finish this. Let me just read this. Now, everyone is lost. They're groaning. They're trying to get back to their original condition. Someone has fallen. They're not in their original state, but they're clawing walls. They're making a noise. They're trying to get back some way. They're groaning because they want to get back. A person struck with disease, aches and pains, they're groaning. Why? They're not right. Something's wrong. They're groaning. They're trying to get back. That's what's happening inside of us. If there's that little seed gene, it's going to start to groan. This isn't right yet. I've come a long ways, but I, I got to get cleaned up further. I got to need more of a change. And he says, and when nature and peoples are groaning, it shows that there's something. They are not in their ought to be condition. He says, they have fallen from somewhere, but they're groaning. Now the groaning is actually inherent in the seed, and it's pulling you to God. Oh, if you have that, if you're, if you're affected by sin, if you're affected by scars in your life, don't let the devil channel it into depression, into negative thinking, into negative thoughts. No, he knows my frame. Psalms 103. He knows that I'm but dust. He knows I am these things, but yet he still loves me. Yet he still calls me. Yet he still pulls me. He never let it go too far. He knows exactly where I'm at. He knows how to bring me back. And the Bible says, let it be healed. But sometimes we don't want it to be healed. We feel better and justified by just staying in our shell. I'm not going to let anybody touch me. No, we've got to trust the Lord. You've got to come to an ultimate trust. Amen. I got my wallet here. I got two $20 bills. Pretty crisp, pretty new. Now, this is just an example. Everything I say after this is going to go on recall. I'm going to give you a $20 bill. Brother Brandon, recall, remember. Nice and crisp. 
I got another one here. Now, along the way, it got crunched. It got stepped on. It went through the ringer. This is yours, Brother Marshall. <laughs> now, I want you to go and buy something with that $20. Will that work for you? I want you to buy something with that $20. Will it work for you? Yep. So, the outside condition of one is different, but it's still got the same value. Inside of you, Brother Marshall, was always what God had. You always were valuable, Amen. no matter what scars you went through. And so were you valuable, Brother Brandon, even through all the things you went through. Give me my money back. <laughs> you always were. That woman was a seed gene. You were a seed gene. And when the Word saw the Word, when there was something that responded, all the other things didn't matter. I've got value before God. I have always been a child of God. I always will be a child of God. Okay, let's have the musicians come. If I start anymore, I'll go too far. Amen. Let's stand together. There's more of me we have on that, but I trust that somewhere, friends, it's a process. But I'm glad he's working with me. I'm glad he's working with you. He's working with all of us. Bringing us back to the ought to be conditioned. Oh, don't you love him today? Amen. I, I feel like we could sing I'm Amazed again, but there's a song, a couple songs we sing. Healer, or do you know Healer of the Broken Pieces? Do you know that one? Can we sing that one? You don't know it? Okay, then do Healer. <clears throat> yeah. You hold my every moment. You calm my raging sea. Walk with me through fire, heal all my disease, and I trust in you, Lord, I trust in you, I believe, I Thing is impossible. 
You're 